Well, good morning, everybody. I might have you go ahead and erase that, maybe. Just in case I want to write something. Hey, say raw, say raw. Hey, Alicia. Well, good morning, everybody. I know it's warming up. It seems like uh, summer's not too far away, maybe. Yeah. Rain, rain, go away. I know. Agreed. Looks like we got another week of it. Doesn't Jim do a good job on announcements? Yeah. You don't know how much that frees me up. I mean, uh, he sets up the video, he does the announcements, I just kind of swoop in and talk for a little bit. You did the hard part. Well, thank you for joining us online. Uh, I don't know if Carol or Dottie and Carol. I wonder if Dottie and Carol know each other. You know, that's a good question. You, you should. Uh, they live pretty close together. You should uh, meet each other sometime if you haven't. You're both great people. So I'm just amazed at the volume of things that uh, Carol can post online about the Lord. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't even get on every day, but every time I'm on, there's more than one post. So uh, she is honoring the Lord with Facebook, and she's working at it. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> well, let, let's all we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 13 today. But before we go to Jeremiah, let, let's go to uh, the book of of uh, Exodus, the second book of our Bible. I'm trying to picture Dottie or Carol at home with. In their uh, lazy boy with their Bible in their lap, or however they do it, a Bible in one hand and a phone in the other, or something. Yeah, yeah. Dottie says she's never met Carol. Okay, Dottie's never met Carol, but anyway, we're glad you guys can uh, hear us. Okay, we've we've been having Tom uh, video, and his the sound on his is not as good uh, that I listen to. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I don't I don't see Tom this morning, but he he's doing good, and I think Zach's still coming. Maybe I talked to Zach last night. But anyway, we got a good group. Hopefully, it'll be a good message. Uh, Exodus chapter four. <clears throat> this is uh, one of the heroes of the faith, Moses, Holy Moses. Uh, Exodus four and verse eight. And the thing, uh, well, let's just read uh, Exodus 4, verses 8 and 9. Who, who wants to read that? Bolinda. Does everybody know her last name? What's her last name? Ferguson. It's, it's Ferguson now. Oh, okay. She changed it. Okay. okay. Uh, she did an old switcheroo. Oh. Exodus 8, no, Exodus 4, 8 and 9. Yep. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, 
neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Now, this is uh, one of the first times, this is actually the second time in the Bible that the word signs is used. And uh, what do you think a sign is? I mean, we, we have street signs, we... We have many signs. What is the purpose? And in my mind, I'm trying to think of a good definition. I, I don't have one, so I'm not really looking for anything in particular, Connie. Direction, guidance. Uh, something that gives you guidance. Direction. That's a good. Confirmation. Some type of confirmation. Uh, that's that's a good word too. Information. Maybe just information. Angie's saying. The way. says, "I am the way." Yeah, Christ is the way, and so he's he's letting them know, you know, here's your sign. I died for you. I'm the way to the Father. Okay? And so uh, here, one, one thing, one of the reasons God gave signs is for, so that his people would believe. You you you've probably heard you know seeing is believing, and sometimes you know we're we're the show me state right we're Missouri you got to show me yeah seeing is believing <laughs> but uh, you know Jesus said it's more blessed for those who haven't seen and yet believe to Thomas you know that that's what faith is faith. Uh, we're to walk by faith, not by sight, right? But, uh, so so think about this thing of signs, and now turn with me to 1 Corinthians. So, so we're, we're working our way toward Jeremiah, but we're, we're talking about signs right off the bat here. And if you remember Moses, I mean, remember he threw down his rod and it became a, a serpent. Uh, and the the first uh, the first uh, the plague what uh, man I'm just going blank those are not signs uh, the, I'll think of it here in a minute that I'm, the word I'm looking for <coughs> I'm going to skip that and come back. So, First Corinthians one twenty-two. Who's got that? First Corinthians one twenty-two. For the Jews require signs, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. That says that the Jews require a sign. Was Moses a Jew? No, not technically. <clears throat> well, yeah, sure he was. Uh, he he uh, huh? He was a Hebrew. Anyway, th- this is what goes in your first blank. Just the word sign. A Jew requires a sign, and so Moses was giving his people a sign so that they believe. <clears throat> and uh, n- now look with me here in the Gospels. Look at Matthew twelve. <clears throat> Matthew 12, 
We're talking about this thing of, of signs. You hear about signs and wonders in uh, Matthew 12. <clears throat> and so this is really important to the Jews that they they be given a sign. I mean, it, it was what you said, Sarah. It was a confirmation. Yeah. But it was for the purpose that they believe, okay, God's doing something, and uh, here's the sign. And then in, uh, so Matthew 12, 38 and 39, who's got that, uh, Sarah? Uh, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it. But the sign of the prophet Jonas. Uh, read one more. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Right, and you know it's very instructive that the Pharisees <coughs> call him Master. They they're not calling him Lord. They're they're saying Teacher, Rabbi, Master. We we would, in other words, we want to see a sign. If we would just see a sign, we would believe. And Jesus says it's evil to look for a sign. Uh, there's really no sign going to be given you, Jews, except uh, for the sign of the prophet Jonas. And and who? What, which prophet is that? Jonah and the whale, yeah. Because just like he was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, the Son of Man is going to be in the heart of the earth. And so that that would be the sign. Uh, in other words, he's going to get resurrected, and that's what you were saying, Belinda, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and this was their sign that uh, he would be in the heart of the earth for three days, and then he would rise again. But uh, it was evil for them to seek after. They, they needed to hear the word of God and simply believe it. Uh, but the Jews require a sign. Now, uh, I gave you some other references there, but let's go to Jeremiah now. I think that's sufficient. Is there any other thoughts about this as we're talking about it? About a sign? Because it... I mean, I, I've been there before. I'm like, Lord, if you'll just, you know, write in the sky with clouds what you want me, you know. I've, I've thought of those things, and and it, it's probably not wise. It was just kind of desperation maybe. This, But, uh, you know, especially if... if if you got a big decision, it's good to have confirmation. It, and and hopefully we get it from the word. Maybe we get it from other people, and uh, maybe maybe you call it a sign. But uh, anyway, uh, God, we've got God's written word, and so we don't need for Him to maybe, you know, like uh, was it Gideon that. Gideon, you know, to have the fleece out and tonight, Lord, if you'll have the ground around it wet and the fleece dry, I'll believe. And and that's what the Lord did. And he just, he was still doubtful. He's like, okay, tomorrow night I don't want the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry. And God did that too. So God gave him this sign. And and so uh, again, a Jewish man, uh, the Jews require a sign. And so now uh, Jeremiah. Somebody read verses uh, 1 through 7 of Jeremiah 13. 
is where we're at. Jeremiah 13. And it don't use the word sign here, but when we're, we're going to read about a, a linen girdle. <laughs> hey, Steve? Yes, ma'am. It's, uh, uh, did, is it important that we understand why the Jews needed the sign, a sign? Well, the thing we've seen with Moses is that he was given this sign so they would believe. And and that's that's kind of the conclusion I've come to. Are you thinking of something else, or? Well, I just someone said one time <coughs> settled it in my head that uh, uh, at that time that's how God communicated to His people. You know, mm-hmm. we, have, we now that Jesus, you know, gave His life for us, and we have our written book. That's mm-hmm. something, but. That's how God communicated with man. Right. And uh, so... That's good. Yeah, it's usually through the prophets, and he gave them this sign, and that way he could communicate that to the people. They weren't demanding a sign. They weren't telling God, you know, prove it. Yeah. They were waiting. Right. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily a thing of disbelief. It's like, Lord, I want to know. And that's how God let them know. You're right. Yeah. And uh, no, that's good. That's that's good to pause and any any other thoughts about that? Because <clears throat> it, it it definitely was Pam. It, it was a miracle. And the thing I was thinking too, and I think it was that Matthew ten passage that I gave you. It's where Jesus said. Uh, go tell them that the blind receive their sight, the lame can walk, you know, the withered hand is healed. And all those things were extremely important. He was giving them, this blind man can now see, and he's saying, Jews, as a nation, you're like this blind guy, and I came to give you sight. So it was a physical illustration of a spiritual issue. And the the lame guy that couldn't walk, he's saying, Israel, you're not walking with me. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. Let's walk together. No, you're lame. You're crippled. You're you're stagnant. And uh, same way with the withered hand, you know. His people weren't working for him. They weren't doing things. So you're like this guy with the withered hand. So it was a sign of... That uh, I am the Messiah, and after all that, they say, "Lord, we or Master, we want to see a sign." Well, I have. I've given you all these things. Now, no more is going to be given because that was in Matthew 12. They had committed blasphemy, and so at that point, I'm not going to give you any more signs except the one of Jonas. So, good, good. All right, 1 through 7 of Jeremiah 13. It's a long thing. Who wants to read that? Carol, you got it? Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and get thee a linen girdle, and put it upon thy loins, and put it not in water. So I got a girdle according to the word of the Lord, and put it on my loins. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying... Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins, and arise and go to Euphrates, and hide it there in a hole of the rock. So I went and hid it by Euphrates, as the Lord commanded me. And it came to pass after many days that the Lord said unto me, Arise, go to Euphrates, and take the girdle from thence, which I commanded thee to hide there. 
Then I went to Euphrates and digged and took the girl from the place where I hid it. And behold, the girl girdle was marred, and it was profitable for nothing. Thank you. So I, I titled this section kind of the message of this linen girdle. And uh, does anyone know what linen represents in the Bible? It, it, it has to do with righteousness. Uh, Revelation says that fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And uh, I, I'm not going to embarrass anybody by asking, but uh, I will tell you, my mother had a girdle. And uh, I don't know if they even still have those things, but it, in this day, the... the <laughs> You know, men would wear them as as undergarments, and and sometimes they would come all the way up their torso. And uh, so God told uh, Jeremiah to get one of these and put it on. And after a certain amount of time, he was to go and bury it in the bank of the Euphrates or hide it. Now, how far do you think the Euphrates River was from southern Israel? What do you think? 500 miles. I've heard, yeah, up to 600 or or more. So it's hundreds of miles. So you can imagine Jeremiah saying, excuse me, what? And uh, so he did that. So, one of the things that I know about a girdle—it's it, kind of form-fitting. It—it's hopefully makes you look more slender. It—it's tight, and uh, in the next passage we read, it's going to say that the girdle cleaved to him. <clears throat> And so uh, cleaving is like becoming one. That's why a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. They're, they're to become one. And so cleave is in the, in the Bible. But uh, now th- this is interesting, and this is totally speculation. Do you think... Do you think Jeremiah walked from southern Israel five or six hundred miles to the Euphrates River and put his girdle there? Do you think then he walked back? Because it says after many days, the Lord tells him to go get it again. Do you think he came back home or do you think maybe he just kind of camped out at the Euphrates waiting on the next thing? Maybe he got halfway back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Lord told him to go back to Euphrates. Yeah, he did. Right. Well, the thing that... The thing that... uh, And we'll read this in the final section of this a little bit about the king... Some people think that he he went and camped out at the Euphrates Rivers until the Lord told him what to do. They they think it was up to seven years he was away, and this kind of fits in with you know tribulation tri- seven years, and uh, it, it, so I guess that just kind of gave me the thought maybe uh, we don't know, 
But uh, what happens at the end of verse 7 that Carol read, and you can imagine if a garment is hid in a rock or a damp place or even just a... It would be marred. It would be, you know, just full of holes and dirty. And and it says it was profitable for nothing. And uh, yeah, you, you couldn't wear it. You couldn't use it for a, even a, to clean your car or <laughs> start a fire, maybe. So, uh, so my, my my whole intro into this was God is giving Israel a sign. I can't use you guys. You're not good for anything. You're marred. You 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 have uh, corrupted yourselves. And so let's let's read verses eight through eleven. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, "Thus saith the Lord: After this manner will I mar uh, mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem." This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as this girdle which is good for nothing. For as the girdle, here it is, for as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a, a glory, but they would not hear. So this is a very <coughs> uh, very graphic, isn't it? Uh, so that that's what a sign was. It was very graphic. Uh, all the signs we have along the roads are very graphic. They they portray that just the color, the symbolism. They mean something, and so this this girdle meant that uh, his people were good for nothing. Um, I I know a guy. Uh, you probably know the story of Lot's wife. She was turned to a pillar of salt, and. Uh, and uh, there's a, a story in the New Testament Jesus gives that if if salt loses saltiness, it's good for nothing. And so he 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 has a sermon he preaches called Lot's Good for Nothing Wife, <laughs> and uh, it's based on her becoming salt that lost its savor, and it's good for nothing. <clears throat> so, huh? Jesus told the parable of the talents. One man had five talents, and mm-hmm. the person had the talent. And he did it. it went and that's huh. That's good thinking there, and it yeah, it didn't do him well, did it? He uh, the Lord condemned that for doing that. Well, that that was kind of my teaching point there. Just as the linen girdle cleaveth to Jeremiah. God wants His people to cleave unto Him. So He wants us to become one with with Him. And so I I just think that's a a cool story. So your first blank was the word sign. Your second blank was the word nothing. And then under Roman numeral 2, there's another sign about wine and bottles. 
And uh, can somebody read 12 through 14? Give them a Bible. <laughs> 12 through 14. Therefore, thou shalt speak unto them this word. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Every bottle shall be filled with wine. And they shall say unto thee, Do we not certainly know that every bottle shall be filled with wine? Then shalt thou say unto them, Thus saith Behold, I will fill all the inhabitants of this land, even the kings that sit upon David's throne, and the priests and the prophets and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with drunkenness. And I will dash them one against another, even the fathers and the sons together, saith the Lord. I will not pity, nor spare, nor have mercy, but destroy them. Now, this is kind of a little bit of an odd story. I believe it's kind of a sign as well. But he's likening to people to bottles, and the Lord said he's going to make them drunk, and not in the sense that he gives them alcoholic beverages, but it's kind of a thing of confusion. And he says even the kings, even the priests, even the prophets, and so in this in this. Uh, sign or this story that Jeremiah gives them the bottles are going to symbolize God's people and the wine is going to symbolize God's wrath He he's going to cause them to dash against each other this is more of a a violent drunkenness they're in a state of confusion and they they stumble they <clears throat> Uh, and I thought we might just talk about drunkenness a little bit, but before we do, let's look at Revelation. Uh, hold your place here and look at the book of Revelation. <clears throat> because I want you to see the connection uh, of wine with God's anger or His wrath. Because sometimes wine is likened to God's spirit. And so in Revelation 14, uh, Pam, Pam Jackson, you want to read 8, eight 9, and 10 of Revelation 14? Yes. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receives the mark of his name. And it's kind of interesting, it's connected with Babylon here, but uh, God is pouring out his wrath, and he calls it the wine of his wrath, uh, the the wine of his indignation, I think, uh, the cup of his And uh, to to cross-reference that a little bit, you know that the night Jesus was betrayed, 
and he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember he prayed, uh, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Remember he used the word cup? And uh, he, he prayed that three times, and, and he would say, Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And it, it's believed, you know, we're, we're comparing Scripture with Scripture. Uh, essentially, God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross. Does everybody see that? Uh, I want you to think about that. Jesus had to drink that cup of God's wrath for you and I. And that's why Thessalonians says that Christians are not appointed to wrath. They use the word wrath. Because Jesus drank our cup of wrath so that we don't... We're saved from the wrath to come. That's what we're saved... If we say somebody's saved, that's what they're saved from is God's wrath. And because Jesus drank of it. But in this tribulation period here... God is pouring out His wrath and He says it's like wine. And so I believe that's what happened with the destruction of Jerusalem. God allowed some of His wrath like wine to cause the kings and the priests and the prophets to become uh, drunken and they, they become disoriented. And isn't it interesting that uh, wine is sometimes called spirits, <clears throat> and uh, some some liquors? I don't I don't know how they classify those things, but some alcoholic liquors or wine are called spirits. <clears throat> and so I gave you a little table here at the bottom of your first page, <clears throat> and your two blanks were people and wrath. So these bottles, uh, we know in the New Testament, were like earthen vessels. And here it calls his people bottles. And he gives them over to drunkenness with this wine of wrath. And so they've been uh, involved in idolatry so long that he uh, he uh, kind of helps them get what they've been looking for. They want to be intoxicated <coughs> on... Uh, spirits, the wrong spirits and so God treats them like drunks and so I gave you kind of some characteristics of drunkenness <clears throat> and and I want you to think about this uh, we're here in the New Testament look, look at Ephesians 5.18 because this is kind of where I put my notes about drunkenness in Ephesians 5.18 and I'm going to connect that with the Jeremiah uh, right now while we're talking Jeremiah 13 and it was at 12 through 14 <clears throat> but uh, who, who has uh, 518 of Ephesians and be not drunk with wine wherein is, ex- is excess but be filled with the spirit Right, so God actually, God God is the one that actually makes a connection between drunkenness and wine, or a spirit, a drunkenness and His Spirit. Um, and and I I think I think the real issue here with drunkenness and the Spirit is what what are you going to allow to control you? Because we we even say that when someone's drunk, we say they're under the influence. 
In other words, they're yeah they're under the influence. Something else is leading them other than God's spirit. <clears throat> and uh, just my little table here. Just uh, drunks are typically bold and maybe loud. <clears throat> they cannot be uh, disquieted. Uh, just going down the left-hand column, uh, drunks uh, typically, I mean, s- some people do drink alone, and so this is not, you know, a hard and fast rule, but a lot of times it's it's more of a party, and I'll never forget when we were in India, this is a while, it, it, this was kind of an interesting thing to me. We're on our way to this very remote village. If, if you think of African villages and the, the uttermost part of the earth, that, that's kind of how this was in India. I mean, we drive just, uh, you know, real crooked turns and all the way. It, it's like an hour from uh, where Pradeep is in, in Ratumka or no, uh, Regatta. And... Uh, all all the farming is done by hand out there so there's like little terraces of rice and it's all like you know filled with irrigation and uh, like hand and so we're getting close to this village and uh, actually I think this is after we left our meeting so it was dark yeah so as after we left, we, we come and right in the middle of the road are like these two big trucks that was they've been harvesting rice or whatever, and they had their headlights on and, and they just stopped in the middle of the dirt road and I bet there's 50 people there, and our, our our guide is saying that they're just a party. They just stopped in the middle of this road, and 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 you could see people, you know, hugging on their women, and you know, bottle in one hand, and and their music's blaring, and and uh, there that happened two different places in this one hour drive. There's just truck stopping, and so I'm thinking, wow, you know, I am so far from home, and I'm leading this recovery group. And here's all these alcoholics, and, and our our guide is saying that there's some kind of tree there that produces a fruit that they can ferment, and it's their own made homemade hooch, whatever. And uh, anyway, it's just really interesting to me <clears throat> that they were um, carrying on just really literally out in the middle of nowhere. Just 30, 40, 50 people gathered with their headlights on and music blaring and <clears throat> bottles and everything. <clears throat> but uh, so typically, people, <clears throat> the drunkenness is done in, in groups, maybe. Uh, drunks can become violent. And, and here it says that God is going to, in Jeremiah, He's going to dash them together. And uh, in the right-hand column, I just put the drunkenness. It influences your walk, doesn't it? That uh, police officers may try to have you touch your nose or, you know, walk a straight line. And then I put uh, drunkenness uh, is a lifestyle. In other words, you. <clears throat> one guy I worked with, he he would tell me, Steve, you know, the night before. I mix up my bottle and and I put it in the freezer so it'll be ready first thing in the morning when I got the jitters and they they were just plan it became a lifestyle to plan their next fix or their high 
And then I put drunkenness is determined by your blood alcohol content. And the thing I, you know, when we when we get saved, we we get all of the Holy Spirit there is. But it would be interesting to see kind of our blood alcohol content, how much the Holy Spirit has of us. You know what I mean? Like how how full of the Spirit are we? Do we walk in the Spirit, and are we walking for Him? Or uh, and uh, <clears throat> some of you know, uh, back in 2006, I went to. Uh, that's when Reformers Unanimous was going really big. And I went to their, uh, it was actually an international conference up, I think it was by Chicago or Cleveland. I can't, it was one of those. Uh, it was North Love Baptist Church. And anyway, that's where Reformers Unanimous is out of. And one of one of the speakers there, he was a gifted musician, and and he could sing and play the guitar, and and he told the story of his own addiction. And as a younger man, he thought he was going to make it big in Nashville, and you know hit the hit the music scene and make albums and get rich, but he. He uh, kept getting disappointed, and he became alcoholic. He found himself homeless on the streets, <clears throat> and uh, he he said it. He said it wasn't until a man called him a drunk. He said, "I knew I was alcoholic, but when somebody called me a drunk, that was like his last low point." And uh, he he had rebuilt his life from there. And he was helping others with their addiction, and so th- this thing of—I mean, that's that's the Bible word for it, isn't it? The word alcoholic's not in the Bible, but the word drunk is. And so it was like when somebody called him that. Some—I don't know if he registered from the Bible, maybe as a boy he. But anyway, that—that's what it took to bring him back to the Lord. And uh, God, I'm sure this was a slap in their face is God saying, you guys are like bottles and I'm going to fill you with drunkenness. I'm going to dash you against each other and let the enemy come take take you. <clears throat> so any anything else about that in uh, Jeremiah 13? <clears throat> Angie, is that not water? Thank you. <laughs> you already got it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in Yeah. Well, let's just let's just do the test here. The Ten Commandments. 
No, that's good, Pam. Well, um, somebody read for us, if they would, verses uh, 15 and 16 and 17 of Jeremiah 14. Hear ye and give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken. Give power to the Lord your God before he caused darkness, and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while you look for light, he turns them to the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. But if you will not hear it, my soul shall weep in the secret places for your pride, and my eyes and my eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears, because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. Yeah. What I uh, what I titled this little section was God humbles the proud. Excuse me, it's on the back back page of your handout, and he he that that's what uh, he's he's asking him to be not proud, but to give ear and hear, <clears throat> and uh, to give. Uh, verse 16 give glory to the Lord your God before he caused darkness and before your feet stumble and uh, he go, goes through here and <clears throat> and then in verse 17 so I don't know if this is Jeremiah or if it's the Lord but uh, you know it causes him to uh, weep and 17, but if ye will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride, and mine eye shall weep sore and run down with tears. And so Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet, and here's another example of that, and it's because of their pride, and you know, as much as we like to think that that's not us, we, we all... I know Jim has confessed such things, and uh, Pat has too, and and uh, I, I confess that too. There, you know, I want things a certain way, and it's my way, and there, you know, we're we want what we want, and sometimes when it's, we're wrong, it's hard to admit it. And and that's that's where we're Israel they 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 wouldn't hear the truth, they wouldn't do the truth, they wouldn't follow the Lord, and it just caused Jeremiah. And he says, because of this, uh, you're going into captivity. At the end of verse 17, it's it's the Lord's flock is carried away captive, and that that's where we're heading in Jeremiah is uh, Israel's uh, Judah's Babylonian captivity, and that that's what goes in your blank there. <coughs> And, and that is what the devil wants. He wants to take us captive at his will, Timothy says. I know beside that, for me, my mother heart, that's where my weeping in hmm. silent places really? goes to at times huh. because they don't hear. Yeah. Uh, and their pride prevents them from yep. going on their knees. Yeah, yeah. For for people you love, you said your mother's heart. Uh, My heart is a mother. Yeah, it it yeah. breaks for your children to maybe not follow the Lord. And anyway, uh, you know that that's true. You know, as a pastor, that uh, we're, we're shepherds over. Uh, 
the flock and anyway uh, so that's good connection Pam I, I can relate uh, too that we don't want to see people we love being uh, punished or disciplined or carried away in their captivity and uh, in verse 18 now he talks about a king and queen it says say unto the king and to the queen humble yourselves sit down for your principalities shall come down even the crown of your glory and uh, let's hold our place here I believe this is a reference to this Jehoiakim look at the second king's reference I have there Second Kings twenty four, and uh, hopefully I don't wear you out with cross references. I, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to put the verses on the screen. It probably does us good to help us learn our Bibles just to turn there. But at the same time, I, I've been in Bible studies where I'm trying to listen and I'm trying to turn, and I, I guess I just don't want to wear you out with it. Uh, but First King, nope, uh, with the Second Kings 24. Who's got those verses uh, 12 through 16? And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his princes. And his officers, and the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign, and he carried out from all the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, as the Lord had said. And he carried away all Jerusalem, and all the princes, and all the mighty men of valor, even ten thousand captives, and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained, save the poorest sort of the people of the land. And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon, and the king's mother, and the king's wives, and his officers, and the mighty of the land. Those carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay. So I think that's the reference that Jeremiah is giving. Uh, he's kind of foretelling. <clears throat> And and as Jim has taught us, there's kind of three waves of. Remember uh, Daniel and the Hebrew boys; they're like the first to go. And so this is either the second or third. I, I know Zedekiah was one of the last ones too, but but this is Jehoiakim. He, he's one of the last of these kings, and it happens during his. <coughs> Reign that the king of Babylon takes the king and his mother, and so when Jeremiah talks about the king and the queen, I don't know if it's maybe a reference to him and his wife or him and his mother. Could could the mother be the queen if he's if her son's the king? I think maybe. So anyway, uh, they're just. So the kings give us the story of what happens that Jeremiah is prophesying here in 1418 that we read. 
Jeremiah was to say unto the king and to the queen, you guys need to humble yourselves and sit down for your principalities shall come down, even the crown of your glory. So he's probably getting ready to tell the king Jehoiakim that and and then a little later it actually happens. So kind of some wild things there. <clears throat> and so in verse 19, uh, they're going to go into captivity. And then who is these people from the north in verse 20? Somebody read verse 20. And who do you think it's a reference to? Verse 20 says, For through the anger of the Lord it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah until he had cast them out from his presence that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So it's the Babylonians. uh, They... They... just kind of come down the the trade routes right from the area of the Euphrates where Jeremiah had hidden his girdle and they're coming from the north so Babylonians go in your blank and I gave you several references there Uh, one of these is really cool I want you to see this look at uh, the very last one it's Jeremiah 51 so hold your place here in chapter 13 and go to chapter 51 of Jeremiah I thought this was really cool. And uh, we'll get there when we get there, about a year from now. But <clears throat> Jeremiah 51 and verse 48, and, and I'll read that one. Uh, then the heaven and the earth and all that is therein shall sing for Babylon... For the spoilers shall come unto her from the north, saith the Lord. And then look at the next one. As Babylon hath caused the slain of Israel to fall, so at Babylon shall fall the slain of all the earth. And what he's saying is, in verse in chapter 13, Jeremiah is saying, Babylon from the north is coming to get you. And in Jeremiah 51, he's telling the Babylonians, Babylonians, there's people coming from the north to come get you just like you got the Israelites. Isn't that cool? Uh, the spoilers are going to become spoiled. They're going to... Anyway, so God, God uses Babylon not because they're a great godly people, but because Israel was an ungodly people. And so, so God, uh, the Babylonians have to take what they gave out. with Syria. And with, yeah, with the, uh, uh, the Persian Empire. And, and it's in Daniel, too, isn't it? Daniel, that's what Daniel's about. They sneak under the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Euphrates. Yep. Anyway. So uh, letter F there on your handout. God will punish his people and bring them sorrow as a woman in travail. And I, I gave you that little phrase, woman in travail, and, and any woman that's had a child uh, relates to that. But, but that is representative of the Jew in the tribulation. And he's going to give them that sorrow and uh, pain, the, like the pangs. And I gave you, there's several references in J- Jeremiah is famous for that that little phrase woman in travail and it um, anyway it's in our New Testament some too and 
I think I'll uh, maybe not look at all those. Actually, let's do look at the, the two New Testament ones, the John and the First Thessalonians. I think we got time. It's only about five after. Let's look at uh, John sixteen twenty one and and the First Thessalonians. Who's got sixteen twenty one? says, a woman when she is in travail hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born to yeah, and so even that is True. prophetical. Yeah, you forget the sorrow yeah. uh, because of the joy of the, the child. And that's kind of what happens in the tribulation period. Once Jesus is on the throne, it, it will have been worth it for this remnant of of the Jews. And then look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.3. This is right after... Right after the rapture of the church, First Thessalonians five three, <clears throat> and uh, Angie, do you have it up here? For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Yeah. So <clears throat> the the first part of the tribulation is going to be peace and safety, and but then. Not too long into it, uh, sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And so uh, that, anyway, all of this is very, you know, you, you could almost call that another sign. That's a sign that Israel's going to be like the woman in travail in the tribulation period. It's going to be very sorrowful, but she brings forth the man child. Jesus Christ, when He returns, then it's going to be worth it all, right? We sing about that. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. Amen. So, all right, let's look at this last section here of Jeremiah 13. We'll go back there. My teaching point there was just that God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And so... Hope, hopefully, we can all relate to that. That I, I, I use the example of if we try to go out that door by pushing it out, it's going to give us a lot of resistance. <laughs> it would take all of us to get through that door if we push it outward. So it's resisting. Uh, God resists the proud. But if you open it the right way, gotta you know you get grace. You get to go in and out easily. <clears throat> All right. So twenty two through twenty seven of Jeremiah thirteen, this last last section, and I, I had a, a visual for you here. But read read twenty two and twenty three. I couldn't get the, my computer to work with the TV this morning. Uh, twenty two and twenty three. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, Wherefore come these things upon me? For the greatness of, the, of thine iniquity are thy skirts discovered, and thy heels made bare. Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good, and are accustomed to do evil. 
And I think I've heard that said somewhere that can a leopard change its spots? Have you ever heard that? I think I've heard somebody say it. And so it's kind of a saying and it comes from, I think there's this place and maybe one other in our Bibles. And the answer is no, a leopard cannot change his spots, can he? And uh, do, do you know that the Antichrist, you know, we have a disease called leprosy. And it comes from a leopard. <clears throat> and if if people in the Old Testament thought they had leprosy, there there's three colors that the priests would look for. Is it white? They they would say, is your is your uh, and and it's a skin disease. Leprosy is a skin disease, and that they would ask, is 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 the wound whitish? And I think if it was white, they had to go and quarantine for seven days and come back. And and if it was black, they had to do something. Uh, maybe then it's for sure a leprosy and. Maybe if they came back and it was yellow, there were. Isn't that the colors of a leopard? Is white, black, and yellow? And so, leprosy was named after a leopard because of those spots. And that's partly why Jesus said, "He says in, uh, or the Bible says in, in Jude, about these are spots and blemishes." Uh, it, it was a reference to leprosy that they would have spots in their clothing, in their house, in their lives. <clears throat> and, and guess what color? There's a reference of the Antichrist being like a leopard, and it's because all people are either white, yellow, or black. And so it's a reference to all people groups. And so we all have this. We all have this disease called sin, and it's like leprosy, and it's a sin, it's a disease that's in our flesh, our carnal nature, and uh, so sometimes we need a priest, you mean like a pastor, to point out, oh yeah, you got something wrong, right? You got something wrong in your life, young man, young lady. Uh, you know, we, we uh, you're unclean, yeah. and we need to hear uh, and get uh, cleansed. That's why Jesus cleansed the leper. He can do it immediately. The Bible says, and uh, Jesus can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You you weren't supposed to touch a leper, but Jesus could, and He did. So anyway, this this whole thing of a leper, and so I, I put just a note there. Even even though individuals could could choose good, Judah as a nation was too far gone into apostasy to turn things around. And I put, you know, is this is that where America is? And you know, just jump down to my teaching point there at the end. America as a nation may be too far into apostasy. apostasy. That means we've fallen away to return. But we as individuals must never lose our will to be clean. And so 
Judah was too far gone. They're like a leper. You can't change your spots. But you know what? Jeremiah was still preaching the word. And there was a few people that did listen to him and did not go into captivity. And uh, so, so can we, right? We don't have to follow the way of the world and... Um, yeah be a Daniel Uh, letter B there I'll give you your last blank and we'll we'll close here because of Judah's stubbornness they will be scattered like stubble in the wind this is now Judah's lot or portion because of their falsehood the word falsehood was in the text there I think that's what I had you put in your last blank is the word falsehood so Let's go ahead and wrap up just a minute early. Um, anyway, there's several places in and out of here. I think of our own country, and you know, I get frustrated when I when I hear the news, and I feel like God's almost made our country drunken. You know, the dashing against each other. I I, I see that in the news. Just whether it be political party or even the commentators. I just hate to hear people on talk shows, you know, arguing. And but anyway, uh, good stuff. Yeah. Yes. Praise the Lord. It's uh, Jeremiah. Twenty-five hundred years ago, it's just as relevant as tomorrow's newspaper, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. I think so too. Well, uh, Jim prayed us at the first, so I think I'll close this here today. Let's uh, close. I know Jim and Sherry are going to go teach the mighty warriors. And uh, thank you for joining us online, uh, Dottie and Carol. And yeah, Emily Holloway. Emily was there. So let's uh, let's pray, and we'll be uh, dismissed. Alicia, we're glad you and Samuel's here. Alicia's got a, a new car, so we're happy for that. She, she drove us to church. Really? Yeah. She a good driver? Yeah. I was holding, I, I had my, I was holding that passenger. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to get to me all the time. Yeah. Well, we're happy for the good things that God's doing in your life, Alicia. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, pray here. Lord, we do thank you for this uh, time with brothers and sisters, and it's fun to be with each other and to uh, you know talk about your word and talk about truth and eternal things and historical things and uh, Lord we uh, do uh, connect with Jeremiah as he grieves for his people and as he's trying to shepherd people that you've called him to and they won't hear and uh, Lord they're going into captivity and so we, we're heavy hearted for our country and maybe people individuals we know and so, Lord, just uh, have your good hand upon us. Help us to be a uh, light in the darkness. Help us to stand for truth and not uh, uh, fall for falsehoods. And so, Lord, uh, continue to teach us Jeremiah. I pray you'll bring us back together safely. Uh, be with uh, J- Jason. I think he's preaching here next hour. Just uh, anoint his words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, no, I think there was only two. Uh, hey, guys, next week... Instead of coming in here at 9 o'clock, we're going to be in the sanctuary. It's a combined Bible hour. It's a fifth Sunday, and we're going to have the Lord's Supper after that. So, uh, Angie.